Good morning, everyone. It's great to see this number of in the crowd here. Um, since it was announced last week that I'd be preaching this morning, uh, I really thought the crowd would probably be quite dispersed. Um, Brother Dale told me I had a lot of nerve getting up here, and I told him, I said, no, I think the real nerve is you come back to listen to me. So, uh, But I appreciate everybody being here, and uh, uh, it's... I know it's a blessing for Brother Randy when he gets away to, for vacation, but uh, it's, it's good for us because it allows individuals like me that doesn't normally get to do this an opportunity to actually try to, to preach a, uh, a lesson. So if you would, please bear with me just a few minutes. This morning I'd like to talk about the power of three. Have you ever really thought how three is involved in our life? The whole world we live in is divided into three parts, time, space, and matter. And time is broken into three different individual parts, past, present, and future. And even when you look at today, it's broken into three parts, the morning, the afternoon, and night. And when we look at the space that we live in, the world is three-dimensional by height, depth, and width. And then finally, the, the physical things we have around us, the matter we live in, is three parts, a solid, liquid, or gas. So everything we have is involving in three. The three-sided closed shape called a triangle is the strongest most stable geometrical shape that there is. And it appears frequently in nature, and man uses it consistently in, in construction. The triangle has been so useful that in the field of mathematics, they took a whole section devoted just to the study of the triangle called trigonometry. That shows you how important it is in the things we do. The Constitution of the United States develops three different sections. The legislative branch, who makes the laws. The executive branch, that carries out the laws. Then the judicial branch, that evaluates laws. Even our body today is in three parts. The body that we see, the physical matter. The soul, the eternal being. And then the spirit, the conscience, the mind. And it's even brought out in the Bible. 1 Thess Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The number three associates completeness. Uh, it's the minimum number required to establish a pattern. If something happens one time, okay, it happened. If it happens twice, eh, maybe it's by coincidence. If it happens three times in a row, it establishes a pattern, and you can usually say, yes, that is truth. It confirms that instance. If you hear something said one time, eh, you shrug it off. If you hear it a second time, well, maybe. If you hear it from a third source, there's probably some truth to this. Just like if Brother Eddie, I asked him, Eddie, you want to sell your truck? 
And he said, yes. I come back tomorrow and I said, Eddie, you want to sell your truck? Yes. If I come back the third time and ask Eddie, do you want to sell your truck? He says, absolutely yes. I have established Eddie's will and purpose to sell his truck. That third time established it. Three establishes totality, sufficiency, and completeness. And three establishes God's will and purpose. The number three is found 426 times in the Bible, not counting other related words like third, thrice, and also where references are made to three individual things. So the Bible is full of things of three. I want to take just a few moments and let's look at how the power of three is affected. In the Old Testament, starting in Genesis, Genesis 4, Adam had three sons, Cain, Abel, and Seth. In Genesis 8, Noah sent the dove out of the ark three times. The first time he sent the dove out, it flew and it came back with nothing. The second time he sent it out, it came back with an olive branch. The third time he sent it out, it never returned. All mankind are descendants of three people, the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth that are found in Genesis 9. There are three patriarchs listed in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in Genesis 22, Abraham was commanded by God to sacrifice his son. But only after a three-day journey to Mount Moriah. Man was commanded to appear before the Lord three times a year. In Deuteronomy 16, 16, three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord, your God in the place which he chooses at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of the Weeks, and at the Feast of the Tabernacles. And they shall appear before the Lord, not empty-handed. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was divided into three, three sections. The outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. And inside the most holy place resided the Ark of the Covenant. And in Hebrews 9, 4, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Inside the Ark contained three items. Daniel prayed three times a day. In Daniel 6, 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks to God, as was his custom since the early days. And a lot of the stories that we've learned as little children, uh, the Bible stories, the three men that were cast into the fiery furnace, Daniel 3, 19 and 20. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, 
and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the heat of the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Three men went into the furnace. Those three men came out. And we always remember the story of Jonah. In Jonah 1.17, Jonah spent three days in the belly of the fish after he tried to flee from God. Now the Lord had a, prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Is it coincidence that God did, used all these different examples? Or was it by his divine power and his will and purpose that these be established? Now there's many, many more that are in the Old Testament. But let's go to the New Testament. Let's look at a few things in there just a minute. Paul explains to us that the three greatest gifts that God can give to us that we'll have the opportunity to experience our entire life and throughout eternity is faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love, the love of God. In Luke eleven ten, 10, for everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. We're told that we need to ask, seek, and find. And Jesus taught a lot of parables. And one of the parables he spoke of in Luke 13, 6 through 9, he talked the parable of the fig tree. And he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, then you can cut it down. God allowed three chances for this fig tree to bear. He didn't allow any more chances after that. His will and purpose was established as to what he wanted to be done. And we all remember Saul when he was on the road to Damascus. And as he was traveling, Saul was struck blind. And in Acts 9, verses 8 through 9, then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And there he was three days without sight and neither ate or drank. Paul was blinded for three days. And after the third day, God let him see the light, the light of Jesus Christ. And in 2 Corinthians 12.8, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times 
that it might be departed from me. This was Paul speaking about the thorn in the flesh that he had. Paul prayed to God three different times to remove the thorn. God never answered him till the third time, and he said, no. My will is sufficient for, for thee. God established his will and purpose, what he wanted Paul to do. He was going to suffer that thorn in the, in the flesh. He did, was not going to remove it. There's still many, many other examples in the New Testament. But let's look at the life of Christ. Was there a lot of things that related to three in the life of Christ? In Luke 1, 56, when Mary was carrying Christ, when she was pregnant with Christ, she went and stayed three months with Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And when Christ was born and he was laying in the manger, Matthew 2.11 said, The wise men came to where Jesus was laying with his mother Mary, fell down and worshipped him, and they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mary's, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months. The wise men brought three gifts. And we remember when Jesus was about 12 years old. Mary and Joseph had, go, had gone to Jerusalem to worship at the, uh, the feast of the Passover. And when they got ready to leave, they thought Jesus was with some of their kindred and stuff, and they left. But when they realized he was lost, they turned around and went back for him. In Luke 2.46, Now so it was that after... Three days. They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Jesus was gone from his parents three days. And as Jesus grew and developed, the Pharisees were always trying to trick him, ask him questions, trying to trip him up. In Matthew 22, 36 and 37, The Pharisees challenged Jesus with a question. And they said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. Those three things is how you need to love the Lord your God. And we all remember, after Jesus had fasted 40 days and nights in the in the wilderness, that Satan came to him and tempted Jesus. And in Matthew 4:11, when Satan tempted Jesus, he tempted him three times with physical needs that he, he needed, the pride of life, and also the lust of the eyes. Jesus was tempted three times, and all three times he said no to Satan. You do not tempt the Lord your God. And Jesus always had a core group of friends that went with him, of his disciples. And in Luke 9, 28 through 33, Jesus went up into the mountain to pray. And he took Peter, James, 
and John. And while he was there, Jesus was transfigured. And he appeared in a glory. And there was three men appeared in glory. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Those three. And in Matthew 15, 32, Jesus had the multitude that had been following him. They had been following him for three days, and they had never eaten. And Jesus said, we need to feed them before we send them on the way. And this is when Jesus fed the 4,000. But the, the multitude followed him for three days. And Jesus did, you know, he did many, many miracles. But we're told that there's a lot of miracles that he did are not in, that are not presented in the Bible. But God chose to give us at least three examples of where Jesus raised people from the dead. In Mark 5, he raised Jairus' daughter. In Luke 7, he raised the widow's son. And in John 11, he raised Lazarus. He raised three people from the dead. And Jesus teaches us in Luke 15 about the three parables of the lost. And he used three examples. The lost sheep, representing the lost that did not know their way back home. The lost coin that was lost and didn't know it. And also the lost son, who was lost but found his way back home. Three examples of individuals lost. And many times Jesus foretold of his death and resurrection. In John 2:19, Jesus answered and said to them, "Destroy this temple, and in 3 days I will raise it up." Now they didn't know what he was talking about, but Jesus knew that it was his physical body that he would be that he would die, be crucified, and in 3 days he would raise up. And Jesus also predicts Peter's denial of him. Matthew 26, 34. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And we remember the night right before Jesus was crucified that he went up into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And Mark 1433 and he took Peter James and John with him and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed and when Jesus was there to pray he left the three disciples and he went on deeper into the garden and he prayed for God to remove that what he was going to have to endure to remove this cup and he came back and he found the three sleeping he went back a second time to pray. He came back, he found the three sleeping. And he went back a third time to pray. And when he came back, he found the three sleeping. And in Mark 14, 41, then he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come, behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of the sinner. 
Jesus took three of his closest friends with him to the garden. He went deep into the garden to pray three times. All three times he came out and found his friends sleeping. And then as we remember, right before Christ was crucified, Peter remembers what Jesus has foretold. In Matthew 26, 75, And Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And once he realized that, he went out and he wept bitterly. I'd like to tell you just a little story. There was a store owner that had a hardware store in the middle of the city on one of the most prominent areas there was. And he was so proud of this store that it had his name on the, above the door. And he had people coming from miles and miles around to visit his store because he had virtually everything you could ever imagine. He had everything everybody needed. Well, he had a few items that just weren't selling, so he'd put them on the back shelf in the back of the store. And one day, two big men come into his store. And he said, when they come in, it's almost like the floor shook as they walked. And he come up to them and he said, can I help you just real weak? Because these were big, huge men. And he said to them, and just sort of grinned, said, I need some nails, some big, big nails. And he thought a minute. He said, let me go back in the back and look. And he went back on that shelf, and he looked, and there he found some old, rusty spikes. And he brought them out, and he said, sir, all I have is these three old rusty spikes. That's all I've got. And the guy said, perfect, exactly what I want. And he paid him for it. Well, the, the storekeeper looked at him. He said, sir, what can you do with three old rusty spikes? And the Roman soldier turned around. He said, have you ever heard of Jesus of Nazareth? And the store owner looked and he said, are you talking about the one that's called the Son of God? That's him. He said, and this day I'm going to show him who's boss and the world who's boss because I'm going to take these three spikes and I'm going to drive them into him and I'm going to nail him to that cross. And I'm going to show him who's boss today. Well, the store owner just melted. And he begged him, he said, please, sir, don't do this. And the soldier just grinned at him. He said, please let me buy them back. And the soldier just made a, a smirk and walked on out. The store owner could hear the crowds hollering and, and screaming, away with him, crucify him. And he said the bitterness in his, he could just hear the bitterness that was going and the sadness that he had just given this soldier these three spikes. And he said, above the yelling of the crowd, he said, I could still remember the, that hammer as it hit those spikes. Those three nails changed the world because it was those three nails that held Christ between heaven and earth as he was crucified. Three nails crucified our Savior. But right before he was crucified, In John 18 through 19, Pilate, who Jesus appeared before, he tried three different times to release Jesus. 
Isn't it ironic? Three times he went to the crowd to try to release Jesus, and they refused. And then in Matthew 27, 35 through 38, we read that three men were crucified on the cross. That day, three men, three crosses, three crucifixions. Jesus and the two thieves that was with him. And above the cross of Jesus, there was written this inscription, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And it was written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Jesus was crucified. And he was crucified at the third day of the hour. Mark 15, 25, now it was the third hour and they crucified him. Three crosses, three men, three crucified at the third hour of the day. Three hours later, as he was hanging on that cross, darkness fell upon the earth. In Luke 23:44, and that was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness all over the face of the earth until the ninth hour. Jesus was crucified at the third hour. He hung on the cross three hours. Darkness fell upon the earth. Complete darkness as he hung another three hours as that darkness lasted. And finally, Jesus died on that cross. But that wasn't the end of the story, was it? Because Jesus foretold that he would die and he'd be brought back in three days. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. For I delivered you to the first of all which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And after Jesus had risen from the dead, he showed himself several times to his disciples and other, and other people. But in John 21, 14 through 17, Jesus showed himself to Peter and some other disciples. But listen to what it said. Now this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to the, his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter grieved because he had asked him three times, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, was this coincidence? Jesus told Peter he would deny him three times. 
The third time Jesus showed himself to anyone is when he asked Peter three times, do you love me? And all three times Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. This was God establishing his will and his purpose. It wasn't coincidence. It was divine intervention three times. Now, one of the things when we always talk, you know, when we talk, we've always heard people call the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we're told in John 1, 5 through 7, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. And in Matthew 28, 19, we're told, Therefore, go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those three make up the triangle of God. The invitation to the Lord Jesus Christ is open every day, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. But we as a church, we offer a formal invitation three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. All of you remember when you were children and used to play games, and even us as adults, as we would play with our children and our grandchildren. If we started a race, we would count down. Three, two, one, go. You know, the day's going to come when God is going to start our countdown, the countdown to our days left here on this earth. Three days. Two days, one. If you look in the paper, and when you sort of get my age, you start doing it, you look at the obituaries. I first used to look at them, see if there was any of my friends' family that had passed away. Now I look to see if it's any of my friends. I look at the obituaries every day. But when you look at those, how many of those people you think knew when their time had started, their countdown had started? How many of them three days before they died said, I know these are the last three days I have on earth? None of them. None of us know when that countdown will start. But we are told. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We've been given the roadmap by the Bible. We know what it requires for us to be able to enter into heaven, to be with God and Jesus. We must hear the word. We must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We must repent of our sins. We must confess his name before men. We must be baptized in the water for the remission of our sins, and we must live a faithful life. You know, the real question is, has your countdown started? 
There may be some here today that your countdown has started. You have three days left on this earth. There may be some that has two. Maybe some that just has one. You know, this may be the last opportunity that you have to be able to set your heart right with God. Do you want this to be your last moment? We never know when it's going to come. But you know, the power of three is before us at all time. All we have to do is accept Jesus and be baptized in the water for the remission of our sins. Please don't let this be the last time that you have that opportunity. The power of three is before you. If you have any need, would you come as we stand and sing?